Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. We really appreciate your listenership, and we just ask that if you've enjoyed our program uh, today or in the past, uh, we would love it if you would rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So thanks, and hopefully you enjoy another great episode of the Good Life EDU. Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And this week, I am so excited for us to have a conversation about some toolkits that the Buffett Early Childhood Institute has put together through partnerships with organizations both inside of Nebraska and outside of our state that I'm really intrigued by. I'm excited for uh, our audience to get to learn more about. And so we'll have a chance to just kind of showcase that work, the history uh, behind it, and where you can find those resources over the course of today's pod. And so to share out about this, I am so excited to have Monica Wells, who is part of the program team uh, with the Buffett Early Childhood Institute. Uh, she is the family and community administrator with that team, and also joined today by Alyssa Anson, who's a program specialist for the Buffett Early Childhood Institute. So uh, Monica, Alyssa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here today. Yeah, and thanks for taking some time. We're going to open by giving each of you a little bit of space to speak to your history in education, because both of you are educators. And so we'll start with Monica. Uh, Monica, can you tell us about your backstory uh, in EDU? All right. Well, first of all, in any space that I am, I like to say that I am loud and proud, born and raised in North Omaha, Nebraska. And education has always been my life. I've been blessed with some really good educators that have come in and out of my life and have kind of encouraged me to be in the space that I am in now. Um, after graduating with my undergrad, in my mind, I was going to be a radiologist. I sure was, Andrew. <laughs> but I think support and families and community has always been in the heart of, of what I do because I was embraced in that as growing up. So a um, little bit of my background, I've worked for the uh, Council Bluff Community School District in the role of a school administrative manager for six years, Roosevelt Elementary, love them there, love that community. I worked with Avenue Scholars, working with families and scholars in the, the secondary realm, uh, getting them into post-secondary education and into careers, was blessed to be a part of Nelson Mandela Elementary for four years as their uh, scholar support specialist and counselor. I miss them all. Hello, Meerkats. Um, and then was granted an opportunity to come and be in this role at the Buffett Institute, which I feel encompasses every role that I've been in. And I'm able to share the beauty, the creativity, and the importance of family and community with 11 districts from Douglas and Sarpy County. So that's where I am today. Gosh, and I know that we're audio only, but as Monica's sharing her story, she's got a big smile on her face. You can just tell <laughs> she's passionate about her work, as is Alyssa also. And so uh, always much appreciated. And thanks for sharing uh, a little bit more so we get to know more about your story, Monica. Uh, Alyssa, if you tell us a little bit more about your backstory. Yes, thank you, Andrew. Monica might be a slight tough act to follow, but I will do my best. So I started my educational career in Omaha Public Schools and was able to start and finish my time in the classroom with Omaha Public Schools. So I started as a kindergarten teacher and I was able to do that for three years. 
And then I transitioned, excuse me, over into preschool. And when I joined the world of preschool, that's where I say I found my heart and soul, because that is where the passion and being my best self really came out in those preschool years at Conestoga Elementary. And then I made a shift back into kindergarten. I was really excited to take what I knew about play-based learning, developmentally appropriate practice, and shift that into kindergarten. That was a big reason why I went back to the kindergarten classroom. And that also just reinforces this need for transition and resources in it because I got to see education from preschool and a kindergarten lens. And seeing that disconnect just reinforces why we need to continue to support this need for transition resources that are successful. I was able to spend another year in kindergarten and decided to advocate for early childhood from an entirely different role by joining the Nebraska Department of Education. So in that space, I was much more focused on policy and programming. The Nebraska Department of Education allowed me to support school districts, but I'm also compliance as a Department of Ed worker. And so that's why the opportunity here at the Buffett Early Childhood Institute is something that I'm really honored to be a part of because now we get to work collectively to support high quality programming. And it's it feels really good to be in that space. Well, I'm going to go a little bit off script here and ask you a question, Alyssa, that comes from your description a moment ago. And you said, uh, well, to begin with, I personally am someone who loves the lessons that are learned from those firsthand kind of boots on the ground experiences. And not one person's experience has to speak to everyone's. I do think that there's some valuable insights that can be gleaned from that. And the word that you used there a moment ago was disconnect between pre-K and K. Uh, Could you elaborate on that a little bit more for us? Because I think that's going to help to highlight this space uh, and a little bit of the why behind the need for these resources. Yes. In the the world of preschool, we truly were given the freedom and the space to really zone our teaching on child development, be very grounded in child development and be responsive to the current developmental needs of our children in our class. And what was beautiful was we were able to achieve that through the use of play and research will reinforce time and time and time again that that's the best way that students learn is play. And then for some reason, our society has created this concept that real learning begins when they enter kindergarten. And what we determine as what real learning, quote unquote, looks like and sounds like was very different from what we were seeing in the preschool space to now kindergarten space. And keeping in mind, this is only a difference of May to August when you think of truly entering into kindergarten. So depending on the early childhood experience that they had, maybe they came directly from being home with mom because they have a stay-at-home mom, or they went to a variety of childcare facilities, or they attended the school district program. Those spaces being typically more grounded in play and then going to kindergarten and having such a shift 
and behavior expectations, as well as the academic components that may already show up in preschool, but are heavily available right off the bat. We are creating a space where kids have to be ready for kindergarten instead of shifting back to let's make sure kindergarten's ready for all kids and coming how they are and who they are, embracing that and staying grounded in what research will tell you, how kids learn best. So I want to make sure that as long as birth to five spaces are communicating with kindergarten, that initial huge transition, we'll start to see that we value the same things and we have the same set of knowledge. It's how we're executing is where we're disconnecting. And if we can execute collaboratively instead of parallel, we can maximize how we're supporting children and their families. Wow. Well, and I always like to kind of weave the narratives from past and future podcasts together to show that we're all kind of invested in related work. And so um, for those that those who historically have listened to the show, uh, we did a podcast not too long ago on the C2B transition, which is student services language for some special education supports that go from that pre-K space into kindergarten, birth to five, yeah, pre-K space. Uh, and so check that out because oftentimes, yeah, special education does a great job of modeling best practices that inevitably we come around <laughs> trying to have as uh, supports for all learners. Love what you said there about the experience backpack that everyone sort of shows up with different things. Uh, and it's good to consider that I mean, in the way that we think about designing kindergarten, not having that those expectations be uniform, not knowing where uh, the kiddos are coming from previously. And I love the value on play. And so uh, I'll give a little bit of a nod to a future episode that we're going to have actually yesterday, uh, Michael Matera, who is host of the Well Played Podcast and is a national presenter on games and education is going to be joining us in a few weeks. So he advocates for that work all the way through the K-12 system. And so, yes, play is important and a great learning tool. And in the midst of all of that, Monica, I'm going to throw it back to you. What would you like to expound upon with regards to the why, I think, as we sort of continue to get grounded in that before we talk about th this toolkit initiative? Um, I just, I smiled as Alyssa was giving her a description, but I think it's important. I think it's it's imperative that we meet the kids where they are at, meet these families where they are at, but we really stay grounded on the research. So I love that she threw that in there. That is going to be the thing that drives us. And time and time again, it tells us what our, our scholars, as we call them at Nelson Mandela, need in order to be successful in their transition. But for some reason, <laughs> we, we keep going against that. As she was talking, I saw a picture of some of our preschoolers that came to kindergarten and halfway through the day, I would go to check on them and, you know, six of them are asleep in the middle of the floor <laughs> during, during carpet time, right? <laughs> because they are used to winding down during different times. And it's just, those are some of the things that I, I think about, but and our why is making sure our scholars and our families, we're meeting them where they're at. We stay research focused and we give them what they need to be successful in the classroom. Fantastic. And and with that aim, uh, can you share a little bit more about what transpired that led to this initiative, the, the grant, NDE's involvement with the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, and just kind of set the stage? Yeah. So in 2018, Nebraska did receive the preschool development grant. The preschool development grant is designed 
for birth through age five. And the goal there is that we know we have a large set of entities that are serving children and families prior to them entering school or becoming kindergarten eligible age. And that's education, health, mental health, social services, state and community leaders, a variety of organizations. So there's all these spaces serving children and families birth to age five. And the goal of this grant is to take all those services, entities, initiatives, let's bring them together for a coordination of support so that we can, again, maximize the time and efforts. And out of the preschool development grant was a variety of initiatives. And one of those being identified as the transitions committee. We've kind of touched on the why prior, but as all these entities come together, it's quite clear that they need to be communicating and speaking with each other so that we are all on the same page about what children and families experience in their education. And so within this transition committee, it was determined that we have a few different audiences that we're targeting when it comes to transitions. We know that every child is part of a family. And so that family is a key component in ensuring these transitions are successful. So we have identified families, school administrators and teachers, as well as any community providers. So early childhood care and education providers and directors. And all of these spaces are responsible for transitioning kids from early childhood preschool through kindergarten. Without leaving any of those audiences out, the transitions committee knew that it was important that each of those spaces had a set of tools and resources that spoke to their lens. And so it was determined to create three separate toolkits for each of those particular audiences. And Monica can definitely speak to how we, as NDE and the Buffett Early Childhood Institute, how those two entities brought together the stakeholders to make sure that that voice was included in the development of the toolkits. Yeah, I, as Alyssa kind of narrates and give that background, that solid background, I just see this picture. So to illustrate for you a little bit, um, when I started at the Institute, um, I was able to start with the transition toolkit program. And I remember clicking on the Zoom and seeing one of the most beautiful pictures that I've ever seen. And that was teachers, providers, people from the Department of Education, uh, parents, everyone working together to focus on this idea of transition. Can't speak about education without talking about transition in any in any part of education, but definitely when you talk about early childhood, transition is huge. It's key. It's imperative that we focus on what that looks like. So clicking on this Zoom and seeing this beautiful, beautiful picture of all these minds coming together for children and families was beautiful. I'm a strong believer in nothing for us without us. And so including those voices at the table, those ones who have, as you would say, Andrew, the boots on the ground, as well as those policymakers, everyone in the room together focusing on how we can make transition better for children and families. It was beautiful. Um, and it was something that was this much needed. 
Uh, thanks for painting that picture for us, because as you're describing that, I can get a sense of that room a little bit more and the power behind having so many of the stakeholders present to share their voices and expertise and insights. And so uh, I would imagine then, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, so as that group is collaborating and coming together uh, and putting together resources for, you know, as Alyssa referenced, three different lenses, and I might just be able to say broadly schools, um, early child care providers and families, I would imagine that there were certain, whether we want to call those like hallmarks or aims, aspirations that the behind what resources would be provided to each. Uh, and so from the onset, and maybe it changed over time, but, but what were some of those aspirations, I guess, as far as the supports to each of those different lenses? From a school district lens, we really wanted to make sure that the toolkit sent the message that transitions are more than a single event, like beyond just kindergarten roundup. And so that we could give administrators as well as teachers a more holistic view of how transitions can be built into your system so they're more sustainable and they have a little more substance to them than again a single event. From the early childhood care and education providers and directors community-based programming, we wanted to make sure that they see themselves in the transition to kindergarten, that their work doesn't just stop when the child now becomes kindergarten age eligible, that they have a wealth of knowledge of that child, that family, what works best. And so that giving them the the push and the confidence to make those connections with school districts, because they're a vital component in that transition to kindergarten. And I think what kept coming up from families is making sure that families had access to resources that allowed them to be an advocate for their child, to give them a voice and to show them kind of just validate again, what we know what's best for young children. And so that they had language and they had tools and they had access to information that allowed them to feel like they weren't coming at this kind of blindly that as they're advocating for their child, they can do that with support of this toolkit that included language that they could use to open those conversations. Well, I I love those ambitions. And Monica, what would you add maybe to that conversation as far as uh, back to the aspirations of this effort? It's important that everyone is prepared. So when you think about those three areas of family the school districts and the kindergarten teachers, early childcare providers and admins. One of my favorite parts of the toolkit are the action plans that are inside of them. And with those action plans, you're able to kind of set a scope out for what you need to do to prepare your families, what's needed for you to prepare yourself for that transition, and what families need to be able to ask those questions that they need to be comfortable with their child transitioning. There's so many things that families think of and go through when it comes to transition time. Um, If my child has food allergies, who do I talk to? If I need to set up, get lunch, who do I talk to? And when you are currently with a provider who you've been with for years and that relationship is built because relationships are key, it is nice to kind of have those conversations with somebody you trust 
so that you're prepared to have those conversations on the other side. Um, with this toolkit, you know, relationships are key. Building those relationships with those providers, building those relationships with those school teachers, it's huge, but we all have to be prepared. So when I talk about those action plans, there's things that the uh, school districts can do to ready their teachers and and kind of have something tangible where they can look at. There's a, a, an action plan where kindergarten teachers can sit down with their families and go through it. There's action plans where our early care providers can sit down and say, okay, this is kind of what's needed to go to the other side. These are the things that we should have in place. These are the things that we've already done. So your child is well on its way. They're prepared. Uh, but it's just something that you can hold in front of yourself to set those goals and be comfortable as you have those gross critical conversations. Wow. And I this might be me uh, maybe just reiterating the point you just made, Monica, but I, I do see where there would be the possibility that a scholar, as you said, a student <laughs> might find themselves going from multiple years with a pre-K provider and that pre-K pr provider has provided certain services, has learned a ton about this particular student and their needs, interests, preferences, things that help set them up for success. And if that's not communicated to the parent, if the parent doesn't think to ask those questions, and then you, you might, as that learner then moves into kindergarten, as a parent, you might assume that the school district is going to provide those things, ask those questions, and it function in a way that you've become familiar with. But the kindergarten teacher may not have any of that information to do the thing that the pre-K provider has been doing for years uh, because they don't have that, that experience in getting to know the child. Uh, and so if, if I'm hearing you right, the right questions can help us through solid relationships communicate the necessary information in order to help um, support that transition, ultimately for the learner's benefit, but to activate all the adults in the conversation and community around that student. Am I capturing this okay? You are. You captured it right on point. I, I believe that family community is the bridge to student success. I believe that it is. And when we all are working together to illustrate that and be on the same page with that, that's when the student and the family becomes successful. So you're absolutely right on target in your key. I would agree with that at 110%. Um, I am one who I believe back to school night should include the early care provider in Monica's perfect world. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should come with your backpack and your family and your daycare teacher, your provider, Miss So-and-so who has kept you for three years. I think they should be a part of that, your journey throughout. Um, and so we, if we adopted more of that, transitions would be a whole lot smoother with the support of that family and community. Wow. And so then we're going to, we have that piece. And then I also want to go back to Alyssa's earlier point, maybe an emphasis on play. And, and so from that, like instructional practices since uh, Alyssa, before we, because 30 minutes goes so fast each every week, mm -hmm. uh, what else would be components of the transition as it pertains to maybe instructional practices? Yeah, great question. So if you think of either the early childhood care and education, teachers and administrators and community programs, you also think of the toolkit for school districts. Both of these toolkits are reinforcing the concept that kindergarten has to be ready for our children, shifting away from pushing parents and teachers and this mindset that let's get our kids ready for kindergarten. Um, we know that 
our children are coming from a variety of different settings and have access to different levels of quality, which is a whole nother conversation in and among itself. Um, but with keeping that in mind, if we want our children to come to kindergarten ready, prepared to be their best self, then we collectively have to lean in on what we know is best practices and what uh, research confirms over and over again about how children learn. And that shows up very bright within these toolkits of reinforcing that social development and focusing on key skills that are life skills that a child is going to need to be equipped with to then make that transition to their next level of education successful. So I think from an instructional practices, it just reaffirms for us to lean into what we know is best for young children. And that is this development of executive function skills, social skills, and that we as educational spaces are ready to accept kids however they are and we meet their needs um, versus them trying to kind of meet our own agenda. I agree. And the beauty about that in the toolkits is as they were all together, so we have all of these stakeholders working together, this information was, we, we already have this throughout Nebraska. It's beautiful. And so what you'll see inside the toolkit are links, links to all of the things that Alyssa's talking about so that you can educate yourself on, refresh yourself on, have, you know, maybe if there's an aha moment, but there's resources that have already been created here in Omaha that people are doing, but this is a one-stop shop. So the beauty in that, that you'll see inside of the toolkit are these different links to these different resources to help us focus in on the things that Alyssa was talking about. It's really, it's really awesome. What I appreciate in both uh, sentiments there is that, yes, like some of these pieces might be new learning for whether you're a pre-K provider, a parent, or uh, an educator. It also might just be, as you, you both said it, rethinking, relearning, revisiting things that we know just to fundamentally be true. And there's an affirmation in that also that I think can help influence instructional practice whenever we just are reminded of those things uh, and given different resources to come around those efforts. Historically on our podcast and at this present moment, education teacher burnout is a very serious topic that we are doing our best to think through ways of addressing. And I think one factor in that is helping our uh, educators have easy to access quality resources so that they don't have to spend more time than is necessary Googling, Pinteresting, and trying to, you know, piecemeal together uh, resources from the vastness of the internet, <laughs> right? Uh, and so really uh, terrific to learn that uh, there are so many relevant resources that are all here together from Nebraska uh, providers. And so that's really inspiring and, and great for us all to check out. So so I think that's where we're at at this point in the conversation. Your call to action, listener, uh, is for you to go to the NDE site, right? And, and to track down these resources and dig into the toolkits. And so uh, can we get a little more information on the web address for this and what to expect when accessing that page? Yeah, you can go to the Nebraska Department of Education webpage You'll want to go to the Office of Early Childhood to be able to find the transition kit. 
as you get to the web address, you'll notice that there are the three different toolkits that you have access to. And so we just encourage you to, to dig deep into those and maybe just pull one thing from it that you can take some immediate short-term action on, and then possibly even look at it from a long-term goal perspective. What's another thing that you could pull out of it so that we take transition beyond a single event of kindergarten roundup, and we think of this collectively as a cyclical relationship that we, we implement annually to support our children and families? I would agree. And if you are like me, that search bar on the NDE website is going to be your best friend. Just go ahead and type in transitional toolkit and it'll pop up there. You will see the three different toolkits. As Alyssa said, they are all three different colors um, separated by family, school districts and kindergarten teachers and the ECCE providers and admin inside you'll see my favorite part my action plan so look for those there's also a, a list of books that are in there for our families that are talking about getting ready for kindergarten and transition uh, books they can put in their classroom we've had some local authors reach out and say can we put our books on there and we're like yes yes you can so it's just a beautiful thing that we were able to create this space to assist nebraska and beyond send it out and help someone else in need but if I had a last minute call to action, it would be continue to build those authentic relationships with your parents, with your, your scholars, with your early care providers, with your teachers, administrators, and see uh, what they need to support and, and prepare for uh, transitions and talking about transitions. Go through these kits together and your PLCs, bring those out. Uh, for families, I would have them at back to school night, open house, check back in throughout the year as you're having conferences to see where you're at, you know, on maybe on one of the action plans, see if you have everything needed, helping them with the questions they need to ask for the next level. Anytime that you can touch the toolkit or use a piece, like Alyssa said, pick a piece from it and implement it into everything that you're doing throughout the year is you're going to be one step closer to a seamless transition and then support. Working together, everybody on the same page with the focus in mind of the child. That's how we're going to have smoother transitions. That's the key. Well, incredibly well said. And I will uh, share with our audience that you can find the link to that NDE page in the show notes as well. And so however it is that you go about navigating to get there, search bar or otherwise, uh, <laughs> make sure that you access these resources because there's been a lot of stakeholder investment in this time, effort and energy and some quality resources on behalf of learning and kids. And I'm just really excited about that. I, I want to say in this role, I am continually inspired to connect with facets of education that I did not know when I was a classroom teacher even existed uh, in our state that are out there advocating for great work uh, and supporting in a myriad of capacities and Buffett Early Childhood Institute knew of. And so it's really great to also then get a chance to know a little more intimately some of the work that the Institute is doing. And so thank you, Monica, and thank you, Lisa, both for taking some time to share out about this. And I hope that we get the opportunity to continue to, to learn about the great things going on with the Buffett Institute moving forward. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank you for highlighting this. Thanks for the opportunity, Andrew. 